Welcome back. Welcome back. Let's 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 clear the air. You will notice this live studio audience cannot be replicated in my home. My producer will pipe in audio of a live crowd to make the show feel more at home in the metaphorical sense, and you'll be getting my normal unedited voice. Let's get started, shall we? We join the many beleaguered entertainers making shoddy productions in homes or, as Alan put it, being locked up in prison surrounded by abusive people. Luckily for Alan, she knows how to handle abusers after years of experience of dealing with herself. (laughs) Now, every geriatric entertainer has to figure out how to compete with kids propping up a ring light and booting up Creative Cloud, whatever the that is. The gap between Colbert and a YouTuber Star9 Funk 10 is so vast and laughable it makes Harpo Marx look like Grover Norquist. I'm sorry, my producer is telling me to, to uh, pipe in with this, uh, this other joke I was supposed to say. The original joke was supposed to be, it makes Too Hot to Handle look like America's Got Talent. <laughs> My producer instructed me to read that on air. It's not even a good joke. There's no punchline that makes you think. I find it trying at best and insulting at worst. It's all toward the effort to make the show less obtuse and elitist. Yeah, to that I say, swill my introminent organ, you benighted ignorables. Now let's get on with it. Nine Inch Nails released Ghost 5 and Ghost 6 for free, 12 years after Ghost 1 through 4 came out. Likely it's more of a Trent Reznor's free instrumental albums that probably were discarded from his finished soundtrack work. But I want to try to look at the bright side here. In a few years we'll see a random Ghost 5 track be sampled on the latest Little Nas Series X song. Next up, we have a joke about uh, Tiger King, or I, I, I had a joke in here about the Tiger King documentary series and Joe Exotic, but uh, the Zeitgeist dropped the documentary faster than you can say. Doc Antle is running a sex cult, and oh right, we forgot that Joe Exotic was super racist. <laughs> and finally, the man we can all point to as being America's worst African immigrant. It starts with an E and ends with a musk. Elon has said the stay-at-home orders across the country are fascist. No. Wait, I'm getting the news now that he named his sixth child after the film Titan A.E. (laughs) 
Wait, he's also threatening to take his car company he bought ownership in and leave California over COVID restrictions because he can't make money on it. Now, I say this with more glee than Kenneth the Page running an errand for the NBC executives on 30 Rock. Go back to Africa. <laughs> this is just another seasonal meltdown from Grimes' adult chaperone. <laughs> There's still a lot of life left for the man who accused a hero of pedophilia. Time will tell how further dated Star Trek Discovery and Mass Effect Andromeda will be by positioning Pedon Husk alongside the Wright brothers and Neil Armstrong. Speaking of Star Trek, Robert will go where no man has gone before by lambasting modern Star Trek. Brandon wants to say a few words about Monster Hunter Iceborne and colonialism on top of the lore of Doom Eternal. And Robert will close out with a bunch of baloney. Thank you, and we've got a, a great show ahead, and uh, just one more thing. It may be controversial to say to some, but uh, I want to note this with convic conviction. Just uh, making it loud and clear. Black Lives Matter. In the unending torments that is 2020, I hope you all find levity in what I'm going to discuss. And I hope you will not go nuts over this particular detail in police departments showing their entire asses to the world. Um, bear with me, but um, just in the metaphorical sense, please. Uh, just what in the fuck is baloney strong supposed to mean? I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but at this point, police departments are asking to be defunded. What are you wearing, Baloney Strong? It's a shirt showing support over a Philly cop named Baloney, showing even more excessive force than usual on a protester. The protest against police brutality, as everyone knows, talk about wearing assless chaps at a local gulp and blow, but it's more than the typical police violence we've seen so much of in the past three weeks, it's the damn shirt. The damn shirt I'm talking about here. I get that his name is Baloney, but you fucking idiots know the guy and his full name. If you don't, your cop pals can pass along the Baloney badge number since it's the only way in your club where you can share that information. The man ain't Bono. He didn't wake up one day and instinctively went with the singular name of Baloney, quote-unquote, because that's what he wants in life. Joseph Strong was right there. Then again, Philly people ignoring the name Joe is common. Hell, even Bill fucking Burr had to call Philly out in 2006 for worshipping the fictional white boxer over Philly native Smoking Joe Frazier. Of course, that Joe was black and finally got a statue in 2015. The one for Rocky Balboa? was, oh, I don't know, 1980. Now let's circle back with the direct decision to use the word baloney. So we have a meat no one calls their favorite, made up partly of the rejected parts of the pig, not as much as a hot dog, but it comes pretty kind of close, on top of a word suburban parians use to mean bullshit, which is phonetically correct, but the spelling is different, 
at that point, who even cares if you have a G-N-A or a N-E-Y in it? It's bullshit strong. Really thought this through, huh? No, 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 your, your, your little hyper-specific group all wear the same shirt when you're outside together. Now you look like the plainest white people attempting to win the I am trying too hard to be interesting contest. A gain of guys whose most remarkable quality is that you love baloney. Now tell me, which type of baloney? Is it ring baloney or is it rag baloney? Appetizing stuff, guys. Good job. I mean, this this shit is so pervasive that I, I mistook this dude to be part of Buffalo PD. I had a joke in here about policing a city named after a lie because true buffaloes are in Africa, not North America. White people just assume they stole everything from Africa, huh? Of course, that's just my opinion. I, I could be right. Oh, Iceborne. The one thing you didn't need to do, you went and did. You made your story about light colonialism. You went with one of the most problematic themes that anyone could have thought of. Now here's why this gets me really upset. It's not just the colonialism that was shoved into the story, it's actually that the story itself was colonized by its story, if that makes any sense. So what Monster Hunter used to be about were these roving nomadic tribes or, or you know, prehistoric-ish with steam stone punk architecture. They are surviving out in this world where there are giant flora and fauna that are constantly threatening their just very existence. Taking food to the nearest uh, neighboring village is going to be a dangerous thing, so hunters, of course, are a necessity to prevent unnecessary loss of, of life of your fellow tribesmen and villagers. Or, on the other hand, it's some sort of, like, uh, I don't know, rite of passage or something. That's a lot of problematic stuff there, too. But at the very least, it fit in thematically with the rest of Monster Hunter's world. Monster Hunter World and Iceborne's story just does away with all of that. Suddenly we are colonizing explorers, seeking out the new world to see what we can collect from it and take over and learn from it. It's Christopher Columbus Playbook 101. Don't like it at all. It's very pl problematic. It's very uncomfortable. Uh, and like I said before, of all the things they could do, they chose this. Okay, so let's move this out into a real-world example. Indigenous people of northern Canada. We all know that they subsist off of whaling, something that for a lot of people is problematic and they don't like it. I mean, whales are an endangered species. They are hunted to death by the whaling companies. And these days they, they face dire threats just like the rest of us from climate change and pollution. But see, the indigenous people of Canada, they're not just going out there and spe spearing every single whale they see, taking it home and eating it, throwing out the rest. No. See, what they do is they treat whales like persons themselves. They understand that animals have their own agency and mind and personality. And what they do is they, 
cultivate a relationship with the whales. They help the whales thrive. They give them an environment to live. They help them feed off of other species. Now this is called mutual flourishing. It's two different species helping each other survive. The, the indigenous people help the whales thrive. And then every once in a while, in what is a very somber and uh, sacred ritual, the indigenous people take one of the whales and they bring it to the shore and they kill it in as gentle of a way as they can, offering it uh, uh, carved tusks and, and showering it with prayers of praise and thanks that this whale is going to help them live. They understand that taking this whale's life is an immense, immense thing. It is not just some throwaway thing, it's taking a life and a very big one at that, but that life sustains an entire village for potentially weeks or months. Okay, so why I brought that up is because Monster Hunter used to kind of understand this. You know, fighting and all these things, yes, okay, the mechanics of the game are about killing things, taking their carcasses and turning them into better armor so you can go fight bigger, badder monsters. True. Yes, I'm not denying that. And lots of problems there too. But when it comes to world, and it comes to Iceborne, uh, suddenly we're killing these things not for protection, not for ritual, not to eat, not to help other species thrive. We're killing them because we just can. Because we want to live here, and they're there, and we want to get rid of them. Or we just want to know what the fuck their stomach looks like or something. Or hey, we've never seen this before. Might as well cut it up so we can learn about it. It just doesn't make sense. That's not even how you do good science to begin with. So it's just frustrating. I wish it wasn't that way, but it is. Luckily though, at least Monster Hunter's gameplay doesn't necessitate a story like that. We can kind of ignore it. It's problematic, yes, but if all you care about is numbers going up, you don't have to worry about it. A game that you can't ignore the story though, because it's shoved down your throat incessantly, is Doom Eternal. That's right, folks, this is a two-for-one strap-in, because I got more to say about Doom Eternal. Look, it's not that I think it's bad. Actually, yes, it is. Doom Eternal's lore is fucking bullshit. Doom used to be about one thing, killing demons, and it took place on Hell, on Earth, and on Mars. I don't care if you go to other planets, I don't care if you go to other dimensions and other realms, just make it fit in with Doom. Doom Eternal took a bunch of fucking leftovers from Darksiders and Diablo 3, warmed them over, and not only that, it opened up our mouths and shoved them down our throats and said, you better like this. Also, <laughs> look what we're doing, isn't it funny? Uh, we'll shower you with dark humor and over-the-top fucking goofs, so maybe the medicine will go down. Neither of those things needed to happen. What made Doom 2016 so brilliant, aside from its combat, aside from its excellent art direction, which Doom Eternal also undermines, is that it didn't care about its story. But Doom Eternal says, no, we're going to take this seriously for you. You don't get a choice. You get to hear all about the Argent Denur, the Sentinels, the Con Maker, and all of the angelic beings under the Con Maker's control. Yes, that's right. Heaven and hell, guys. We did it. Finally, Doom goes to heaven. <sighs> now, I've said it before. You take some of this stuff, change a few names, change a few settings, suddenly you have Quake. Quake is 
awesome. Quake is great. But you know what? Quake's lore is crazy. It's wild. It's about elder gods jumping between time and dimensions. You fight in medieval Europe and you fight in the bowels of some eldritch god's alternate dimension. In Doom, you just kind of go to these lightly sci-fi, lightly fantasy locations every now and again. There's no crazy over-the-top stuff. It's completely separate. It's like, okay, the hell mythology has to be kept sacred, so we're going to make it boring. But at least you get shot out of a giant gun into the middle of Mars, right? That makes up for it, right? It just plays it safe. It's very common sci-fi and fantasy tropes shoved into Doom, and it doesn't need that. Doom has always been about giving that stuff the middle finger. I don't care why I'm shooting demons, I'm just shooting demons. I don't need you to explain to me why, it's just happening. You know why? Because demons are bad, demons are scary, hell is bad, hell is scary. That's it, that's all you need to know. And shooting them with big fucking guns doesn't need any context because it's fucking cool, it's fucking fun. I'm sorry if you disagree, that's fine. But there's a million lore-spewing dicks in the world. We didn't need Doom to be another one splashing our faces with fucking proper noun jizz. Steven Universe is the best modern Star Trek show, and I will hear nothing of the contrary to the best torchbearer of what we believe Star Trek is. I say this knowing full well that my knowledge of Star Trek is limited to a degree. My spouse's love of Star Trek paved the way to the pop culture blind spot I would have taken years to twist my head toward. You know, by transitive property, I am a Trekkie thanks to my marriage. Would I have ventured into CBS All Access without my Trekkie spouse? Heavens no. Heck, I'd even watch the first season of Straven Universe. And I hear, you kinda don't, but that's fine too. Qualifications aside, I'm sorry Abrams Star Trek. I'm sorry Star Trek Discovery. I'm sorry Picard. You're just not the right fit. I don't want to go on a tangent here, but these three different Star Trek stories share the same familiar veneer, but don't she share the but don't share the heart to invest in their characters and world. Squabble all you want, yet you cannot deny that modern Star Trek runs on world-ending mystery. The crew cannot settle or interact without a universe-ending threat looming overhead at all times of the film or season. Everything's on fire, you're on fire, I'm on fire, and the ship is destroyed again. Great! It's a tried and true formula that works when your fiction is contained. Star Trek has nearly 60 years of canon to play with here. You know what sci-fi series does not? The Expanse! The Expanse comes to mind as a show that does this world-ending sci-fi mystery quite well because it's not utopian sci-fi. It's a show about operating on the idea of conflicts based on doing what's best for your faction. 
whichever it may be. Story is driven by clear character motivations enhanced by the unknown of advanced life pouring lighter fluid on already strained tensions. Star Trek at the end of the day is comfort food TV. There's a crew you like, they can have a quiet moments in between solving problems week to week, uh, stated problems all related to the well-being of the crew mentally and physically because you spend time with them as a developed characters, character interactions, and low-stress conflicts are key to Star Trek because it's utopian fiction. Have fun with the holodeck. Give us some small delights of this potential future. My god, we need it. Do the anime thing. Go out for some space ramen and play baseball for a day. Come on. You've done it before. Give it just 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 like get give us something like that. Check in on tertiary and secondary characters and their issues for their lives to matter in the fight against the big threat. You know who did that? Steven Universe. You know everyone in Beach City by Season 5 in Student Union Universe and what drives them or what makes them tick. The fun is when characters you've seen before are affected by story developments, big and small. The dirtbag burnout after a mutation becomes a fearless rebel leader for the marginalized and rejected gem people. The career politician gets voted out and finds a calling in running a donut shop because that's how he gets to participate in the city now and also stroke his ego, but that's something different here. The amusement park Carney has a backstory episode to why he is named Mr. Smiley. Does any of this matter? Does Mr. Smiley matter in relation to the universe-spanning threat between humans, the, the crystal gems, and and the gem empire? No, but he's part of the equation. Mr. Smiley is part of it, because that's why Steven fights in this conflict. That's all point. Star Trek Discovery was too busy with fake humans, time traveling, water bugs, space travel, and starting the Klingon War to get us to care about the secondary crew that are presently endangered. Except for, like, an episode where they kind of, you know, show show that characters relating for, 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 for a little bit and then uh, ending up killing them. Um, you know, in the most, like, cynical move possible, you can do... It's like, oh, here's some development, only for them to die later on. That's, that's, that's just wonderful. Wish we had that earlier. No, it starts now. Cool. Great. Picard was too busy rushing to save the androids and prevent the Reapers from Mass Effect, yes, sci-fi is the same, to give us enough time to care about barely developed Borg characters that bit the dust. Star Trek Discovery at its high points were its personal stories like Saru returning to his homeworld or other mostly to fully self-contained episodes. Hell, Tignataro's wry and morbid sense of humor in the second season was a breath of fresh air because at this point, none of the secondary crew have a distinct personality. Picard at its apex was slowing down and taking a breath to catch up with Riker and Troy and their family. It allowed Soji's development to continue and see her humanity as an android. An android attack that led to all synthetic life being banned? Cool. That means the wealth of Borg characters and deprogramming the Borg can be integral to the story, right? Nope, it has, a, has to be a, a, a world-ending threat bigger bigger than the, than the Borg here. No, we, 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 we gotta fridge some characters that, um, you know, just show up and just, just, just didn't matter. It just didn't matter anymore. The promise of the brighter future is here. 
where machines can solve starvation and the pressures of capitalist society become a nuisance you forget about. It's the distracted boyfriend meme. This could be us, but you be on the dollar. Most of the problems can be solved with conversations. Wars end not in begrudged compromise and treaties awaiting the eventual backstab. It's integration and cohabitation. Klingons were a recurring, recurring villain? Nope. Next show, we'll have a Klingon on the deck for two shows and not, uh, in weird blackface. It was, it was the 60s. Uh, they, they kind of tried. The hive mind cyborgs of the war giving us one of the best Trek enemies? Nada, let's, let's, let's show that the Borg can be saved and later be part of the main cast in the next show. Granted, it was a sexy android lady, but again, it's, they're, they're, they're trying, okay? Yeah, yes, they're, they're, they're trying. We get better with, with time, we would hope. But, again, like, how many times has Steven Universe turned villains into goofy, relatable, well, clods? We got Peridot, Lapis, the Cluster, Topaz, the freaking Diamonds. They all have their moment in the villain spotlight until an opening of empathy can be used to snuff out that conflict. It's the sincere belief that people can be saved. The villain in the Steven Universe movie was neglected and left alone for eons by Steven's mother, who is also Steven. Okay, look, the mother thing is complicated, and um, not to get into it because it's besides the point. And now the neglected villain is enacting revenge on the mother's next of kin, who is also the mother. But again, complicated. The resolution comes from solving the problem that is Spinel, the villain's isolation and loneliness. We understand and sympathize with her pain and wish to resolve it. And the characters do. And then by the end, do the people of Beach City and the main cast of Gem People want to exercise punishments for the damage done to the city and the main cast temporarily losing their memories? Are we reminded of the cost of repairing a destroyed city? Is the city resentful towards Steven and his crew for bringing villains to his city and eventual destruction? No, there's cooperation towards repairing the city and being prepared for another attack on Beach City. There's literally an episode about the city planning for a city-wide attack, a gem attack, that would only happen because Steven is there. The entire crystal gems are in this city and their presence bring a certain danger to it. But no, the humans are all cool with it. It strengthens their unity and bond to the people of Beach City has towards its alien residents and refugees. Money is no matter when the community is the forefront. Sincere, communal, and utopian, that's that's what I think Trek's ideals are, and what, like, if, if you talk to any Trekkie or anyone who, who what, what they think Star Trek is and what they represent, that's, that's, that's how it's viewed. A show about being a brisk jog with occasional breaks throughout the years realizes those Trek ideals to live on and prosper as the cultural touchstone it is. Oh, and I'm not giving oxygen to Seth MacFarlane's vanity pet project, the Orville. It's barely funny, and your more messages are all over the place and don't work. Of course, that's just my opinion. I could be right.
the hive mind cyborgs of the Borg giving us one of the best Star Trek enemies? Enemas. Star Trek enemas. That's, 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 that's great. Great. 